Dan, here's something for you. Maybe you know the answer, or perhaps you could put it to the listeners. Terry and I have both just been discussing that we, uh, in our advancing years, produce more earwax <laughs> than, than we did when we were younger. An excessive amount of earwax. Um, more than our bodies could possibly <laughs> ever need. <laughs> That's certainly the, the uh, in my case, it is true anyway. But we, we both recall seeing on a TV programme where a character makes a candle out of their earwax and Terry thinks it's the British Empire, but I, I never really watched that programme, yet I do recall seeing a TV character make a candle out of earwax. So if you know... It's proper grimy... Is it Red Dwarf, maybe? <sighs> Is it maybe made out of Lister's earwax? It seems like something Lister would do. Yeah. Um, but, Dan, if you could either scrap all of this and tell, just tell us the answer just text it um, or leave this in somewhere and listeners could you please tell us who makes a candle out of their earwax the theatrical cut answering the big hitting questions <laughs> and if anyone can answer why you start to produce more earwax as you get older as well I'm sure Billy Conley did a thing about how like his nose hair and that like, the growth rate just increases. Like, what is your body preparing for? <laughs> it needs a lot more earwax. And he is getting bigger. Yeah, and longer nasal hair. I'm sure we could probably just Google it. <sighs> yeah. Where's the fun in that? I know, right? I am going to Google it, though. So here we are. Welcome to a <laughs> the longest winded intro to a podcast ever. Welcome to a new episode of Too Much Time on Our Hands, the theatrical cut. It's been so long, I nearly forgot what it was called. I'm Sonia, and sat beside me with his profile for radio is Terry. Hello. Hello, dear. Um, we haven't recorded in a while because Terry's moved house, and we're sitting in his new house recording this. That is exciting. It is indeed. I apologise for the lack of heating, but it, the boiler is actually on at the moment, so it will take the chill off the air for a little bit. I have a shawl around my shoulders. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, that's why we haven't been around for a while, and whilst you had a, a an interim pod with myself and Dan from the mother pod, because Terry was busy moving, but here we are, we're back with our substandard recording equipment. <laughs> Um, we are going to talk about law, lawyer films slash courtroom dramas. And this comes from the release... Well, originally it came from the release of Just Mercy, but that's pretty much done and dusted at the <laughs> cinema. I don't think it's at the cinema anymore. Um, actually, it's showing in Stevenage on Monday. Oh, there you go. Although this will probably be released <laughs> after that, so you may have missed your chance to see Just Mercy. Just Mercy, I'll give them the rundown, shall yeah, I? go for it. Just Mercy is... Michael B. Jordan plays a civil rights defence lawyer called Brian Stevenson. It's based on a true story. And he is working to free a wrongly convicted prisoner, played by Jamie Foxx, who's on death row. He then goes on to work with lots of other mm. people story, in a believe, similar situation. Tr- based on a true story, yes. Um, and that one comes in at... 136 minutes in length. I went to see it. I believe it was an unlimited it screening. It was an unlimited screening. I had a ticket, but then it, it was literally like the week <clears> I was moving and stuff. Yeah. So I ended up not coming. And Terry couldn't spare 136 minutes. Um, I I liked it, but I like these kind of things. I thought it was... Yeah, I thought it was good. It's interesting... Obviously, it's based on a true story, so you could research it. I don't. I don't want to tell you too much about the storyline because I'm not going to tell you how it ends. But it is based on a true story, so you could probably go on the Google machine and find out for yourselves. Um, and then the other film that we're kind of basing this pod on is Dark Waters, which is due to come out on the 28th of February. I have also seen that as an unlimited screening, and that one rocks up at 126 minutes long. So a running theme with these lawyer slash courtroom dramas is so they're all really long yeah i think the shortest one i've watched is an hour and 46 minutes yeah um it has it's taken it out of me researching mm. uh this one i'm not gonna lie but dark waters is 
Mark Ruffalo, if you haven't seen the trailers, that is Mark Ruffalo. So that's the Hulk um, playing a corporate defence lawyer and he takes on a huge chemical company. Um, whereas in his nine to five day job normally is helping to defend those companies. But in this film, he goes up against them as they are accused of poisoning, poisoning the water yeah. poisoning the water of a again based on a true story based on a true story now Terry I can tell you at this point all three of my buy watch bins are based on true stories oh are they now yeah uh, are you going to check to see if yours are no only one of mine is Ooh. how do you want to start do you want to do them in order do you want to go first the listeners haven't heard your voice in a while and I feel like they're probably be- be- better off for that. Uh, I don't. I don't mind going first. The only one I'm. I'm still. My list is still in flux. Sonia's introduced this pod because I'm trying to work out what they are. Do you want me to go first then? <laughs> I've got my buy. <clears throat> buy. I know that's settled. It's the other two that I'm let's unsure start, about. Let's start with our buys then. Okay. So. I mean, you said like you've enjoyed this. I wouldn't say I haven't enjoyed this, but the one thing I've found watching courtroom films. A lot of them, especially the newer ones, they're trying to be very worthy. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're trying to make a point. They're trying to say something, which there's nothing wrong with that. But when you watch a lot of them, it becomes a bit boring. So my buy for courtroom drama. And actually, it's probably the one that I've watched with the most courtroom-based scenes is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Ah, see, I thought about giving that a little watch. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'd seen it many moons ago and I thought, because I literally Googled, as I always do when we have a theme, I Googled the theme and that popped up. And I was like, yeah. And to say, out of all of the films, I think that has the most stuff, because for the most part, the film is in a courtroom and people retelling the story. So this is based on a true story, uh, although the film is set in America and the original, I mean, she wasn't called Emily Rose, it's set in Germany. I didn't know that. Um but it follows, so it's after the fact of the exorcism of Emily Rose, in which Emily Rose actually died and passed away. Um, you have, died and passed away. Yeah, cool. it was a, a terrible she evening. Had a right old time. It was a terrible evening. It's got quite the cast. You've got Tom Wilkinson, who's obviously always good in everything. Laura Linney, who's good in everything, and it's directed by Scott Derrickson, who is probably a little-known director, although he did do Doctor Strange. But he does very good horror films. So he did this he did sinister he did deliver us from evil which what he does really well is he does horror films and and supernaturally ones but he a big part on this film that he did he wanted to leave it open-ended he didn't want to clearly say it was the devil she was possessed but he mm. didn't want to clearly say she wasn't possessed she was just mental yeah so he, he treads a fine line and there's you can easily read into whichever way you want so as i say most of it is he's He's on trial. We're obviously seeing him in prison talking to his lawyer. So Laura Linney is an agnostic who's been brought in by the archdiocese to defend him. They just want it to go away quickly. They they don't really care what happens to him. They just don't want a scene. Hmm. <clears throat> obviously, the, the um, prosecution, just they think they've got a slam dunk. They're going to get rid of him because she died in a horrific way. They've got these pictures of her after she died and she's all... As you would expect someone, having watched horror films, someone who has been possessed to look all like scratched up, her teeth look horrible, etc. And it's just him going through the stories, him giving his version of the events, and then the prosecution basically come in and they have a an expert or an eyewitness who can explain it all the way with science. So, oh, she could talk in tongues. Well, actually, if you look, she did these lessons. She went to this uh, Catholic school where they learnt all those languages so it's not that weird that she could speak Aramaic because she actually learnt it she when could, she was yeah. years ago and talking with dual voices which I didn't know apparently everyone has dual vocal cords <clears throat> and if you train yourself you can almost talk twice at the same time no. with different voices <clears throat> excuse me that's me trying to activate mine now apparently um, there's monks in the Himalayas that do it when they do that Why? weird singing Oh. I don't know why they do it, but they do with singing. So again, it's like, well, she could be talking like that because she's where she's having an epileptic fit. She's done that because their big thing was that she was epileptic, not possessed. And that's why she because in the film, when she has these attacks, whether they're possession or what, 
she really contorts and bends and flexes. And that's, that's, that's my recollection of the exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, is her so there's a bit where she's up. in bed and she literally like bends backwards and the, the act, they were, had all these plans for CGI, but Jennifer Carpenter, the actress, could actually do all of that herself. She could just twist herself, twist herself around. There was a few times where they used like ropes from the ceiling and stuff so she could bend a little bit further yeah. while still standing up and stuff. But... So it's really well put together. I say it doesn't doesn't lean one way or the other with oh it is this it is that. There's some big jumpy scares in it. There's some creepy bits in it. Because there's a big thing again. I hadn't really heard about it. Three a.m. is apparently the witching hour because it's a whole thing against the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Laura Linney, as she becomes more and more involved in the case, she starts waking up at three o'clock and things happen around the house, mm-hmm. and it, apparently because I did look into it a little bit, because I actually had a spate where I woke up at three o'clock a lot. And apparently there's just part of most people's cycle. They do wake up, and sometimes you wake up and you're just a bit more awake, but it tends to be around three o'clock. So that's probably where the witching hour has come from, because people naturally wake up at that time and then see that it's 3am. Mm. Um, but as I say, it's really well put together. I won't give too many spoilers on it. Although it's my buy, it is on Netflix, so you don't actually have to buy it to watch it. It's it's under two hours, which, as we've said, that's very good for a, a law-based film. Um, but, yeah, it's got it's got the actual courtroom-based stuff, and it, there's a lot of, obviously, like, the prosecution being like, well, come on, you're talking about faith, how can we talk about that in a court of law? And so because she's agnostic, she sort of plays on that a little bit, like, although I'm agnostic, because the prosecution is like, no, I'm very religious, but this is wrong, and it... So it just plays with a lot of different themes, which say I found a lot of the other ones were just quite repetitive, whereas this was just something a bit different. Obviously horror, and I love my horror. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really, really, really recommend The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, I might have to re-watch that because my my recollection of it is more of a horror film rather than a courtroom mm. film. But yeah. like yourself, when, yeah, I, yeah. when I looked at lists of courtroom films it did come up on a lot yeah, of lists and I do own it I do own it so I can give that a watch either on my DVD or just on my Netflix Yeah. Um, many options. options there my buy is so incredibly similar to Dark Waters it could all it's, it's almost like watching when I saw Dark Waters it was like watching this film yeah. The the kind of story. My buy is Erin Brockovich. No courtroom scenes at all. This is all a law based <laughs> film. Because um, originally it was a courtroom <clears throat> drama we were going to do, it, and then we realised do... there's not a lot of films with courtroom scenes in it. Um, yeah, we were strictly going to do courtroom dramas, but yeah, there weren't that many that we wanted to watch, and the courtroom scenes were actually quite samey. So um, I've gone for Erin Brockovich because I bloody love this film. Like, super love fan. it. Yeah, I think it is excellent um and she did win an oscar for her role and albert finney was nominated for best supporting actor he didn't win i don't know who won it but um she was uh, given her oscar from kevin spacey oh Oh, tarnished that wouldn't happen now would it um so erin brockovich 131 minutes um came out in 2000 of course 20 years old that film crikey so based on a true story based on the lady called Erin Brockovich, who was a single mother, and she ends up becoming a legal assistant and almost single handedly brings down a power company when she starts looking into some paperwork for her new boss. She realizes that there's, you know, there's something going on. She can't understand why certain pieces of paper, like medical records and things, are in with a real estate deal. So she, she just starts looking into it. Um, and it turns out that this power company are polluting a city's water supply. Um, and she works alongside her boss, played by Albert Finney. He plays Ed Masry, and it's his law firm that she goes to work for. So at the start of the film, we see Erin Brockovich applying for a job. As she leaves her job interview, a car hits her car, and she, her neck is quite badly injured. She goes to, or she, Ed Masry gets assigned to her to sort of like defend her in this mm. um, case to get some damages for her car accident. And he keeps telling her 
everything's going to be all right, everything's going to be all right. So she's a sing- single parent, she's got three kids, she hasn't got a job, she's really struggling, and now she's been in this car accident. And he keeps telling her, everything's going to be all right, everything's going to be all right, and then he doesn't win the case for her. So she's, you know, she feels like she's been really screwed over by this guy. She keeps applying for jobs, can't get one, so she just turns up at his office one day and just starts working. And then he's just like, what's that woman doing here? And they're like, she's working here. And he's like, well, no, because I would have given her the job. And she she says to him, you told me everything was going to be all right. Just give me a chance. And they start, you know, they have a very rocky start. Mm. And then they start to work together. She says, can I investigate this this case? He's not really paying attention to her at this point. He just kind of like waves her off. Mm. And he's just like, yeah, off you go. She disappears for a week investigating this job. When she comes back, he's fired her because he thinks she's just fucked off for a she's just not Mm. at work but she's taken him on his word that she can investigate this case um and anyway he ends up giving her a job back they investigate it together and it ends up being one of the biggest um class action lawsuits in american history they what they do for these families that are involved because their water supply is being polluted and it's it's making the families ill. A lot of them are getting, you know, different types of cancers, mm. and um, their medical bills are so huge. And it's just it's just destroying this this community. You know, people are just dying, and she get but she's got real heart. She really cares about them. She hasn't got any kind of like law training. She remembers a lot of their details just off by heart. So she remembers all their names and phone numbers and addresses and mm. what diseases they've got. Um, and she, you know just through her sort of like literally knocking door to door getting everyone involved because everyone has to kind of like sign everyone in the town has to kind of like sign up to go against mm. this this firm to help sort of like bring them down um, and it's just it's just a really it's a very heartfelt film the biggest difference between this and Dark Waters is Erin Brockovich is very much about Erin Brockovich, the person. Mm. Dark Waters is a bit more about the the case. It's not about the same case, but it's a similar case where they're trying to bring down big companies that are poisoning water supplies mm. and therefore making people very sick. Um, so Dark Waters is more, I would say, based on the case. Erin Brockovich is more about her relationship with the people that she's fighting for. But story-wise, very similar. I absolutely love Erin Brockovich. I own it. I don't know. It is my buy anyway, so I am going to say buy it. I don't know if it's on Netflix or Amazon or anything like that. I think it might be on like Amazon. <clears throat> it might be, but, you know, it's it's worth a buy. It's worth a watch. Um, and a well-deserved Oscar win, I think. Has and she won more than one Oscar? Nice boobs. Uh, I don't know. I was actually going to look that up because I thought, I bet Terry asked me what other Oscars she's won. It's I, I, not relevant. So I remember she had a bit of a run where she was a bit of an Oscar bait when she was she was up a lot. Don't know. I just wasn't sure if she'd won more than one or not, whether that was her one. Have you uh, have you decided what your watch is yet? Yeah. So to go for my quandary with this, there's one that I know I love but I haven't been able to re-watch it because it's two and a half hours long and I haven't had the time. So I want to go with that, but I can't. Is it a time to kill? No, that I also love. And again, haven't had time to re-watch. Same. um, Because that one's on Amazon, I think. Because obviously that's got um, Sandra Bullock in it, who I love. And And Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Did you watch Lincoln Lawyer? That's what I'm going for as my watch. Okay, I'll let Terry do the talking then. (laughs) Um, So it was... It was between this and The Devil's Advocate. I love The say. Devil's Advocate. But as I say, Devil's Advocate, two and a half hours, haven't had a chance. But that, Keanu, Al Pacino, Charlize Theron, The Devil, again, yeah. a horror film. I watched that not so long ago. Oh, we did Keanu, didn't we? Yeah, I've watched it recently, watch it? <laughs> but not enough that I feel that I could sit here and talk about it. Whereas The Lincoln Lawyer, I've watched in the last week. So. Oh. Yeah. Off you pop then. So yeah, so I've gone for Lincoln Lawyer, which is not based on a true story. From what I understand, it's based on a series of books and the idea was that it could potentially start a franchise but didn't do that well so therefore did not become a franchise oh what the film didn't do that well or the yeah. books I believe there's a series of books following the oh okay following the lawyer but no um, 
So yeah, so you've got Matthew McConaughey. He is a lawyer who works mostly out of a Lincoln. I think it. <laughs> the idea is that he has a driver, and I think he just has it so that instead of having an office, it's cheaper to have a car and be driven round. And then he lives lives in his house, and he is a defence lawyer. And you're given the impression that up until this point, he's not really cared if people are innocent or not. He is, he's out to make sure that either he wins the case and gets them off or he gets the best deal that he can so he looks like he's, like he's doing well. At the very start, there's a bit where he's being driven by his driver and they get surrounded by some Hells Angels types on bikes and they pull him over and they're basically saying like, yeah, Jimmy's still in the slammer. Why haven't you got him out yet? And he's like, you need to give me more money. And essentially you just get the idea that he's just one of those lawyers that as long as he's getting paid, he doesn't really care what's going on. Um, so not long into the film, he gets a call from this guy that he's never really heard of before and they want him to defend their son. So he's like, yeah, of course I can do that. And then he quickly finds out that actually this family's absolutely loaded and he ends up getting like $100,000 to take on the case and he's just like, our oh, quid's in. And it's quite a horrible case. So Ryan Philippe yeah. is like, a, they're in real estate and he's like the son and he's been accused of <coughs> severely beating up a prostitute, smashing her face in. Um, and yeah, and he's obviously like, I'm innocent, I need defending. He claims that he went to go and use her services. Upon entering, he was smashed over the back of the head and then he woke up... Upon out. entering her apartment. <laughs> yeah. Entering her apartment, not her. Um, upon entering the apartment, he's rendered unconscious. And then he woke up uh, with people sitting on him. She'd been beaten up, whether she'd beaten herself up or they'd beaten her up. And then they essentially were going to try and sue him, like take him to court, sue him, make lots of money off him because he's from a rich family. But he didn't do it, so please help me get off. So it starts off with McConaughey doing his usual stuff. He's got uh, William H. Macy's, his like sort of magnum PI guy who goes out and finds things. Um, he thinks he's got a slam dunk of a case. Again, like the district attorney thinks that he's got a slam dunk of a case because he was there, like his fingerprints are there, but he obviously doesn't deny that he was there. He says that he's been set up by these people. They've got footage of them in a bar chatting and this other guy that supposedly is the one that hit Ryan Philippe over the head to set it all up. Um, but as I say, as he, as he looks at it a bit more and more, he just become McConaughey becomes a bit more dubious, shall we say, and like mm. looking into it and think things don't seem to quite add up. Uh, we find out that his ex-wife is going to be, <clears throat> is originally meant to be the uh, prosecution, but she obviously has to step away when, they get put together it's played by marissa tamai and they have a sort of on i think it's one of the things where they obviously clearly love each other but they just don't get on yeah because they're both lawyers and because she's with the district attorney and he's a defendant she hates the fact that he clearly defends people that are guilty and gets them off um because he says at one point in the film he was always worried he was never worried about knowing if someone was guilty he was worried if he'd never if he didn't know he wouldn't recognize innocence in someone because he'd sort of tarnished himself a little bit mm. um so, yeah, so he basically starts to become more and more under the impression that maybe ryan philippe did in fact do what he's been accused of and they start to dig into it i mean it's, can i go into spoiler territory it's not that new is it it's about 10 years <laughs> older shall i leave it where it is i don't see why you do have to spoil it because i like to spoil things i for know people. you do um so yeah so it, this one i think I, I like this one more than some of the others because there's a degree of Jeopardy. There's a degree of like more of a thriller thing. I, like we talk about a lot of the other lawyer films, if they are sort of straight lawyer films and not horror lawyer films, they're a bit long and they're a bit sort of dull's too strong for some of them. But it's just like talking. Stuff. Whereas this, I say, there's a bit of action. There's a bit of driving around a bit fast. There's some gunplay and stuff like that. So it's just a little bit more thrillery and a bit more. Is he going to be able to do it? Um, so yeah, so I won't say any more then. But yeah, I thought I thought Matthew McConaughey was really good. I remember watching it when it came out and really liking it. And this is the first time I've watched it in a long time. Again, it's on Netflix. Um, I think it's just on the nose at two hours. Um, I don't have the runtime for this one. Yeah, 
But yeah, William H. Macy, very good. John Luigi-Armo has a small part in it. Ryan Philippe's very good. I think he's got quite a good face for playing a bit of a prick. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't seen many films in with him because he's not actually that very good of an actor. But like Cruel Intention, he plays a bit of a prick and I think he's got... He's got the right sort of facial features for it. For being an arsehole. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, really good. Um, and yeah, just enjoy it. And actually, again, quite a lot of courtroom scenes in it, which you don't often get with a courtroom drama, as we mm. found. But yeah, so I would recommend Lincoln Lawyer <coughs> as a watch. Or The Devil's Advocate, that is very good, if you've got two and a half hours on your time. Or A Time to Kill, which neither of us had the time to watch. Yeah, A Time to Kill could well have been my buy if it's as good as I remember it from the last yeah. time. But yeah, I just did not have a chance to watch it. That can be our notable mention. Yeah. Um, my watch is one that I, I kind of stumbled upon because I was looking for something else. I can't remember what I was looking for, but it wasn't on Netflix or Amazon. But you know, it says... People who were looking yeah, for whatever also watched this. And this is Shepherds and Butchers. The, it short, right that time. the shortest film that I saw, coming in at 106 minutes. This is, and I watched this on Netflix. This is from uh, 2016. And this, I think, is based on true events. It is. Um, and this was an interesting one for me because, for a start, I'd never heard of it. It's got Steve Coogan in it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily make it interesting. I'm not entirely convinced I like Steve Coogan playing it straight. I'm not entirely convinced he can do a South African accent. <laughs> I am convinced he can't do a South African <laughs> accent, but we'll, we'll come on to that. The reason this one really took my interest was because when I was talking to a few people about um, like courtroom dramas and these lawyer films... We were trying to like really think of uh, films where the lawyer is defending someone that they know is guilty. Mm. Not like Matthew McConaughey where he's got like, um, we see like little snapshots of him getting dodgy people off yeah. where the main bulk of the story is them really def- defending hard yeah. someone that they know is guilty. With Lincoln Lawyer, he's doesn't think he's guilty from the get-go, does yeah. he? No, it's very much a revelation. He, yeah. he turns and it's him re- revitalising his sort of lust for life. Yeah. So with Shepherds and Butchers, Steve Coogan takes on a case of a prison guard who shoots, I can't remember if it's six or seven men. Seven. I think it's seven, yeah. Um, and there's there's absolutely no doubt that he did it, okay? Steve Coogan's character is called Johan Weber. And at the start of the film, he's he's saying he doesn't want the case. Yeah. He doesn't want to do it. But he is also dead set against the death penalty, which this guy will most certainly get. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't believe in punishing murder with death. So he decides to take on the take on the case to try and avoid this prison guard getting the death penalty penalty i think he also says at one point as well like no one else will touch you so i'll do it just because i know otherwise you aren't yeah. going to have a lawyer yeah um so i and i i was i kind of put the film on because i was i was waiting for my other half to come out of the shower to be honest and so i was thinking all right if i've you know I'll just stick to the song. It takes an hour and 106 minutes in the shower. He does take quite a long time in the shower, but not quite that long. But I thought, I've probably got 15 or 20 minutes in. I'll just watch the first 15 or 20 minutes, see if it, uh, you know, if I'm interested in it. And I was. Um, because what he's going to do to try and get him off the death penalty is argue that this guy's job as a prison guard is so traumatic that it kind of, that he was kind of out of his mind almost when he mm. committed these murders. De- a death row prison. Right? Yeah, so he's a death row prison guard. So he actually escorts people to the gallows. Mm. Um, and so what we see, and this, this is set in a courtroom for the most part, and Steve Coogan's character is is arguing his case that this, you know, he's getting him to describe in detail what his daily duties involve to try and convince the jury and the judge that it's his job, 
that yeah that made him do these things he's not saying he's not guilty he's saying there is you know mitigating we, circumstances we know that he did it all the evidence is there that he shot these men but what i'm saying is he he was led to do it because of you know because of these reasons now um the the only downside for me with the film was Steve Coogan's terrible South African accent because it is set in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And but he's up against um Andrea Risborough. Yeah, who does an amazing South African who accent. Who is who we know as as Mandy. I think that's how we know her best. Um mm-hmm. is how I that's who I knew her as anyway. And yeah, she does an amazing South African accent. Apparently she's from Newcastle. Yeah, because when, when it was so good, I was like, I wonder if she's actually South African and that's why. And I looked up and, yeah, she's a Geordie. So it, yeah. It that. Um, but those two sort of like arguing against each other, but mm. in a very ordered way. Yeah. I, I just, I thought she, she was a more captivating person to watch. But I, I just thought it was, I think it's definitely worth a watch because it's an interesting story the fact mm. that it is based on true events and you do see some like you do icky because i watched it at work on my laptop and someone sat down during next to me during the retelling of a hanging mm. and you see it and yeah. someone went what the hell are you watching i was like i wish you hadn't sat down right right about now um but yeah yeah there are some like not pleasant scenes to watch but i just thought that I'd, the story and his way of trying to get this guy off was interesting. Mm. It was an interesting case. And I liked the idea that he was defending someone that he knew was guilty, but trying to argue it out in his way. He's like, okay, I need to make the best of this. I won't let you know if he gets him off or whatever, but it's, it's on Netflix. So it's not going to cost you anything to watch. Assuming you've got Netflix, of course. Yeah. I think it's worth a watch. No, it would have probably made my list had you not already dibsed it. Although you have failed to mention one of my favourite things about the film. Go on. Mr. Labashkokny. <laughs> <laughs> His name, and they say it all the time because they constantly refer to him as Mr. Labashkokny. And I read it and I would call it Labushan if you look at it on IMDb. Because yeah. there's a, a South African, cric- South African crit- cricketer with that name and he's called Labushan now. So it's obviously just a change in the thing. But yeah. I loved his name. There was just... The only thing that was, like, removing me from the mood at times was Steve Coogan. Like, Wait just, for him to go, aha! There were just certain points where <laughs> Smell his, my cheese. His voice... I mean, I know it's his voice, but I was thinking, this this is Alan mm. right now. This is I Alan. I think they'd have been better off if he'd just done it English. Absolutely, because at think... first I thought he was playing it English, and then I heard the, the occasional bit of twang. And I was thinking he's doing the laziest attempt at South mm. African accent. It was interesting; like, he could do odd words, but I'm sure there's a bit in Partridge where he does a South African accent that is very good, but maybe he doesn't translate to a full film. Maybe Alan can do it, and Steve can't. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, true. but no, I did really like this film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But I'd and, never heard of it before. No, again, I found it because I think it, I was on <coughs> Netflix and it was under the people who watched this for Lincoln Lawyer would have watched this. Mm, there maybe. Was a, there was I watched a few, the DVD of Lincoln Lawyer. There was a few on there that... There's one called Marshall with Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther, one with Michelle Monaghan, St. Judy. They're all true story ones. Right, yeah. we done? Yeah. We're on to the bins. We're on to the garbage. So again, I the had... absolute junk. I had two for this. Trash. I mean... No good. Some people probably... Rubbish. <laughs> Both of the films that I have, one is an Oscar winner and one is an Oscar nomination. Um, have you picked good films for your bin? <laughs> they're films that I didn't enjoy. So that's all I okay, can say. Okay, that's fine. So it's between, just to get both of them, Dead Man Walking which is a very old film from the early 90s. In oh, which very old film. The 90s is classed as vintage now. Yeah, in which Susan Sarandon won an Oscar uh, and it's Sean Penn as a death row inmate. She's a nun who ends up... I can't remember how she gets to... But she basically visits him, talks to him, yeah. reads the Bible with him and stuff. And that is 
very loosely based on a true story as in that nun existed and she did go and see death row inmates but that one's kind of interesting because she starts to sort of get on with him and he's obviously saying I'm innocent I didn't do it I was there but I didn't like what was he convicted of uh, it was rape and murder fuck the yeah. nice ones the nice ones um but um so he's very much like I didn't do it and she's like well <clears throat> sort of takes him at his word and wants to sort of see the best in him being a nun and her boss who's sort of like don't get involved god not God, like a priest, um, played by Herschel from The Walking Dead. Um, like, don't get involved, just let it go. And then he basically sort of says to her, well, if you're going to, like, take him at his word, you need to go and see the parents, because it was a couple. There was a couple in the woods sort of making out. Him and his brother, I think, stumbled upon them. And the, as he was accused, they then raped her and murdered both of them. Um She's like, well, you need to sort of go and speak to the family. If you're going to get his side, you need to get the other side. So she goes and actually speaks to the parents of the deceased. And one of them is a bit sort of like, okay. And then another one is just like, how how could you possibly talk to him? He murdered our daughter. Um, I just found it a bit dull. And like I said earlier, just a bit worthy. Because I feel like it was trying to say something against the death penalty. Because... Don't get me wrong, the death penalty is horrendous. Like, because especially if you if it is wrong and it's a miscarriage of justice, you're kind of like, it's too far. But it felt like it was really trying to bang the drums out, which I don't know if if you were watching it in the 90s when it was made, it meant more and like the themes were more mm. current, so it would, you'd understand more. But yeah, so that's not the one I'm going with. <laughs> See, Just, I don't think I've seen that. It's on Netflix. It, again, <laughs> it's over two hours. It's because I was reading up on it, and apparently Susan Sarandon won the Oscar. I can't remember if it was supporting actress or actress, and she actually virtually doesn't speak. It's her going and listening to people talk for the most part. It's her reacting to people talk, whether it's Sean Penn as the accused, the parents, or anything like that. Directed by Tim Robbins, who was her husband at the time. Um, but yeah, it's like, it, I just found it a He's bit. He's in too Dark long. Waters. Is he now? Yeah. Yeah, I remember it from the trailer, actually. Yeah, I just found it a bit long and a bit a bit wanting to be, like, clever with itself. The one I'm going with is a newer film. I think it was an Oscar nomination for Best Actor from last year, Roman J. Israel Esquire. Oh, I haven't seen this starring one. Starring Denzel. Um, of course, a good thing Steve's in another country. So, this is something... I've got nothing against Denzel Washington. He's the kind of actor where he's in a film, I think, oh, Denzel's in that, I'll watch it, but... I don't actually think he's a great actor. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like when you watch him, it's not like you can go, oh yeah, and that was that character, and that was that character. You could probably watch the ten minute snippet, and you just be like, I don't know what film I'm watching. Like he's just he's Denzel in what he's in. Not to say not that I'm saying anything disparaging about that. I really like Denzel Washington. He's made some great films. But yeah, so in this, he plays Roman J. S. Israel Esquire. So he is a partner, well, I don't think he is, he works at a law firm and it literally, the film opens with the head lawyer has had a heart attack and is now in a coma slash vegetative state and Roman, played by Denzel, he he's a bit weird. I think he's meant to be autistic or something like that. They call him a savant. I don't know what that means. Um, I think it's like... Um, he remembers things. So if he... Re- he'll talk to like someone... A genius. And, yeah. He talks to people <laughs> and he's like... Um, clearly not one. And he'll be like, oh yeah, that is penal code 15734163 that was registered in 1985 or something like that. So he's like the brains of the operation. So he sits in the office. He work, basically writes the case and his partner goes and like, is like the public face because he mm-hmm. can't really deal with people. So his boss has had this heart attack. He's sent to basically go and just get extensions on all the cases, but he starts trying to actually work the cases. Um, Then as it goes on, basically, it becomes clear that his boss is not coming out of this. And for some reason, he had it set up with Colin Firth. Not Colin Firth, the other one, Colin Farrell. (laughs) Very, very similar men. Um, that if anything ever, were ever to happen, he would step in. So he basically comes in to help shut down the firm, 
finish all the cases that they've got open and he offers Roman a job because he realises that Roman is worth a lot of money because he remembers all these things. He remembers everything about the cases that he's worked on. He's like, he, he says to someone like, uh, he gets paid $500 a week, we'll be able to charge $500 an hour for people to use him. He's that good kind of thing. Roman doesn't initially want to work for him. He wants to find, because he doesn't, he sees Colin Farrell as like this, a bit like um, McConaughey's character in Lincoln Lawyer, just goes where the money is, doesn't really mm. care about protecting people or helping people. He's just about that. But essentially he can't get a job anywhere else because he's a bit weird, because he's a bit odd. He has an iPod, but he has the old-fashioned headphones with like the fluffy the fluffy tops. Um, and he ends up working with Colin, Colin Firth, I nearly said it again, then Colin Farrell. And he sort of settles in, but... I mean, I can't really go into too much more because something happens about halfway through the film that then sets the film on its course, but I don't want to say what it is. But for me, it felt a bit... Although it is over two hours long, it felt a bit rushed because we jump straight in with this thing happening and it doesn't really set up who Roman... I feel like we needed to see Roman as he was. Yeah. Without... Because his world is obviously thrown into disarray because his friend's not there anymore and he's got to start doing stuff. Um, and they throw in the usual shit when they throw in whether you've got like a sort of romance, like they throw in a romance that didn't really feel like it needed to be there. So ro- the things that Roman starts doing, you're just like, I don't think he'd do that. Like he's this person who's been set in this routine. He's worked at this place for 20 odd years. He does the same things and he starts randomly doing stuff. And it's like, I didn't really buy into it. I didn't really like the ending either. So it was quite long. I just, yeah, not based on a true story as far as I'm aware, but yeah, I just found it a little bit... What's that on? I believe that was on Netflix. I watched that one as well. Hmm. But yeah, he got... I don't know how he got a Best Actor nomination for it. I was going to say, I remember that. Because <clears> when <throat> we were doing Oscars last year, we we hadn't seen it, had we? Yeah, I think it's just because it's Denzel. You know, like, yeah. Johnny Depp gets a lot of nominations. And it used to be Tom Hanks got nominations, although... The one he got this year was his first one for a long time. 19 years. Yeah, I think it is just... Oh, yeah, Denzel was in a film. He's playing someone with special needs. He'll get an Oscar nomination for mm. that. I mean, he, to be fair, he doesn't, like, overdo it. Because I, I think in in The Equaliser 2, where he plays a character who's got, like, OCD, I think they overplayed that. Whereas it's, it's quite subtle what they're doing. Mm. And he's got a gap in his teeth, um, which, reading up on it, Denzel Washington actually has a gap in his teeth, but he has caps, so he doesn't have the gap, and he just took the caps off for this role because he thought it just made him look a bit different. Wow. So there you go, there's a bit of Denzel info for you. It's the most interesting thing about it. <laughs> um, no, now that you've slated it, I, of course, want to watch it yep. and see how terrible so it is. You might enjoy it. For me, I just didn't feel that the characters were developed enough before this big thing happened, and then... Because I feel like if you'd know, seen him a bit more, the things he starts doing might make more sense, but it just seemed very, oh, yeah, we're just going to have him do this because it will make for an interesting film, mm. which for me it didn't. So it sounds sounds like we've both got similar issues with our bins. Mm. Uh, my bin does actually star Colin Firth. <laughs> And it's Devil's Knot from... I think I've seen... Has he got Reese Witherspoon? Yeah, well? from 2014. Just under two hours long. We mainly follow Colin Firth's character, who is Ron Lax, and he's actually a detective, not a lawyer, which causes a bit of confusion with um, some of the people in the film. He he's there to assist the lawyers who are defending these these guys. So, based on a true story, as all my films are, I I was excited to see Devil's Knot when it... Not when it came... I, I wasn't really aware of it when it came out. I probably only watched it a few years ago um, because it's based on the trial of the West Memphis Three. Mm. Um, this... Because I've seen the Paradise Lost documentaries, which are amazing, if you're interested in that case, this was, this barely scratched the surface. So, um, if if you're not aware of the of the case, three teenage boys were accused of killing three young boys 
in a satanic ritual. And the the outrage at this crime sort of led the police to very quickly and wrongly convict these three boys, these three teenagers of the crime because the local community were just, you know, they desperately wanted to see someone mm. found guilty of the crime. Um, it's... I imagine if you knew nothing about the case, it might be an okay film. I can't really tell. Because... I remember watching it with no knowledge of mm. the case. I I didn't know until afterwards it was like a true story mm. and I found it quite dull. So, I... I just don't think, and I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not a fan of a super long film. This come this comes in at just under two hours, but it's no way near lo- nowhere near long enough mm. to really get the story across. It's it's like a very vague, gentle, respectful telling of the main fat fat using air quotes here parts of the story one in one part of the film Colin Firth's character does actually go up to a guy and kind of go oh so you're you're the guy shooting the documentary which I thought was a nice little touch the documentary Paradise Lost is 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 amazing um and that really does follow it in great detail because there's actually three parts to it Mm. um but this was just too you you never really got any sense of who who the three teenagers were who are com- who are but charged and then convicted of this terrible crime you you don't really see you don't you just don't find anything out about them you don't really delve too deep into the families a little bit more you delve it into their thing but you know Reese um yeah it's Witherspoon isn't it yeah. Reese Witherspoon is um, she plays one of the mothers and you spend a bit more time with her on the screen but still you don't spend enough time with the others to sort of see May. it's tricky because I don't really want to it's such a because if anyone who's a fan of true crime knows about this case mm. and it and it is horrific what happened but it's it's also fascinating for people that are interested in true crime the i guess the morbidly fascinating part about it is that these three teenagers were wrongly convicted and jailed for 18 years so that's half their life in jail and when and then it goes up they you know, they're appeal after appeal after appeal. Lots of people get involved in it. Lots of celebrities. I mean, Peter Jackson's done a documentary mm. on it. Lots of bands got involved. So the reason the boys are accused of this crime is because they're apparently satanic because they listen to heavy metal. They listen to a lot of Metallica. So Metallica get get involved, and that's kind of how these documentaries and things have got financed over the years. Funnily enough, they don't play Metallica in the film, they play Slayer because that's a much more evil band to be mm. portrayed on the screen. Um, but <clears throat> so th- these three boys in prison for 18 years, but when they eventually get let out, they're kind of going, okay, we don't, we don't have the evidence. We never had the evidence to really convict you. We're going to let you out of prison, but your conviction sticks. So mm. they're let out with this conviction that they're guilty of killing these three boys. Mm. They're not guilty of killing the three boys, but the local police are saying, but you've got to be let out with this conviction. That's the yeah. only way we're going to let you out. So it's proper fucked up. But what's even more fucked up is that they don't... They don't find out who did it. Mm. They, don't, they don't investigate and convict anyone else. And that's like the, the real sort of like tragedy of it, besides the sort of morbid fascination of everyone has with these three boys who didn't do it. There's the fact that some, there's someone out there who did do it. And there's, mm. the t- there's this tiniest hint in the film of who they think it might be. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it just can't delve into it deeply enough 
I think, for it to really be a coherent film. Do you know what I mean? It's just very disjointed and just vague, really. Um, I can't stress enough. If I'd have... Ideally, my buy would probably be Paradise Lost, but I borrowed those off someone I used to work with many years ago. It's isn't it, as well? Yeah, but they're not available in the UK. I think he had, like, German imports of them. Um... Because you can get them, I've looked on Amazon and eBay so many times, but I can only find Region 1 ones, and mm. I don't have a player for that. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched German versions of them. It's it's a tough one. I don't know if you'd be able to watch it. You see like proper like dead kids and shit in it. Mm. It's grim to watch, but really, really interesting, and really well-made documentaries. If I had all the time, they probably would have been my buy. Yeah. But I didn't. So that possibly brings us on nicely to notable mentions. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Paradise Lost, for sure. Like anyone with the slightest interest in true crime needs to watch those and West of Memphis. Uh, but we talked about A Time to Kill yeah. as well. I mean, what a cracking film. But like we said, these law films are so bloody long. And you think to yourself, oh, I've seen A Time to Kill. I'll watch one that I haven't seen. Yeah. I'll watch one that I haven't seen. And really, if we go back to it, we probably just should have watched A Time to Kill and buggered off um, Devil's Knot and whatever yeah. one you didn't like. Roman, Roman Esquire or whatever <clears throat> his name is. And De- Dead Man Walking. Yeah. But A Time to Kill, is it on Netflix? No. No. It's on Amazon. Oh, okay. Um we have the DVD and have our, Lucy and I are both fans of these kinds of dramas. Mm-hmm. So we do own these. Which yeah, is... so Time to Kill's obviously got a big racist mm. sort of, th- not racist theme. <laughs> that's, 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 that's Count Arthur, isn't it? Yeah. You've written a book, a racist, racist one. one. <laughs> um, sh- another shout out to one that I know I've watched and I know I like, and it has an amazing cast, but is three hours and nine minutes long. <gasps> JFK. Starring yeah. Kevin Costner. That is a great film. Um, I didn't even get around to starting that. It was on the list. I did that thing where I put I put them in um, time order, so I watched the shortest <laughs> ones first. Sorry, there's an intercom. That's Daisy. There's oh, not a demonic presence God. in the room. I thought it was coming down the chimney. <laughs> the sound. Um, Notable mentions then of, um, not bad ones, but bins, one that I couldn't finish, was the Pelican Brief. That's Denzel, isn't it? And Julia Roberts. Yeah. Um, so I was watching it and I was getting, so, there were so many like new characters being introduced. I was getting really confused and I paused it to go and do a sprinkle. And I thought, result, there's only eight minutes left. It's only a double-sided disc. Those eight minutes were up and it said, please turn over disc. And I was like... No! Although I did think, this is going to end very abruptly. <laughs> I was only halfway through and I I thought, no, I'm not turning over this disc. I'm absolutely not. Threw it out the window instead. That one's going in the sea. So that's um, a notable mention for the bin. Did not enjoy that at all. Now, I nearly gave up on Dead Man Walking, to be honest. Um, I mean, I've only really got shout-outs. I mean, another one... I, rem- I know we've watched it together... And I remember we both were disappointed with it. And I did watch it again. Law Abiding Citizen. Starring uh, Gerard Butler and the fella, uh, Jamie Foxx. So it's actually... I I remember being disappointed and not enjoying it. I rewatched it again. Oh, this is good. This is better than I remember. And it's basically the last 20 minutes that... Fuck it. (laughs) And after the 20 minutes, yeah, it's fucking shit. I don't like it. Um, But yeah, that's actually quite good to start off with. Um... And then there's another film. I saw it years and years ago. And it's a film called Primal Fear, which isn't on any of the streaming things. And I couldn't find it in Netflix, in Netflix, in CX or anything. But it's Richard Gere defending Edward Norton. And it's one of Ed Norton's first film roles. And he's accused of... I think it's accused of murder. But he's got like a split personality. Ooh. So he's like this really nice guy. And then I think it's something along the lines of the priest where he went to church, abused him and created this horrible personality. And Richard Gere's whole thing is around, he didn't kill him, the other guy killed him. So you can't send him to 
to prison, like trying to get him off, sort of like insanity slash like there's two of them, you can't punish the innocent one because the guilty one did it kind of thing. Um, but so I haven't seen it for a long time, but I really remember enjoying that. I think Dan actually mentioned that one to me. Yeah. It was one of his favourites. So, and as, as previously mentioned, Devil's Advocate, it's got Keanu in it, that's all we need know. And then if you want a pick-me-up film to really get you through some hard times, the film Sleepers. Oh, <laughs> God. If you haven't seen Sleepers, do not watch it. If you're having a bad patch, you need to perk me up. It is one of the most brutal, destroying films you are ever likely to watch. Again, another stellar cast, hmm. but that is a gri- that is child molestation to the hilt. I-, I believe that one might have been a true story as well. Yeah, um, don't know. I feel like there's a lawyer ones tend to be like, tr- like there's a lot of true stories out there. But yeah, they're my my notable mentions. Um, I've I've kind of got a notable mention. This could be a notable mention for all three categories because it's very <laughs> up and down for me. Not a film; it's a TV show, and I've banged on about this before. It's how, how to get away with murder. No, <laughs> how to get away with murder, which I am currently watching season five on Netflix. But I think season six has just wrapped and I think it's the final season because yeah. I follow Viola Davis on the Instagram and she's been um, sharing lots of pictures. Now, um, Viola Davis really is enough to sell it for me. And when I started, when season one came out, I didn't watch it on Netflix. It was on like E4 or something, yeah. something like that. And it was the, it was the title and the fact that she was in it that attracted me to it. And I quite I quite liked the idea of it. She's she's a lawyer. She's an attorney. Are they the same? I, f- I have no idea. Um, bloody Americans. And she she's also a professor at a university, and she she's teaching them how to fight a case in court. And it's is it how to get away with murder? Because she's mm. potentially she's defending people that she's. She's not asking them, are you guilty or innocent? She's just kind of like, okay, what are the facts? How can I get this person off? So she's a, she's a devil in the courtroom. I mean, my <laughs> I God. I wondered why you were going to say she's, she was a devil then. She's captivating <laughs> to watch. I love Viola Davis and her character, Annalise Keating, is, I mean, the, this woman has so many ups and downs in her life. Like, she just can't catch a break. But also, she's... Like she's at the top of her game, she's at the bottom of her game. It's just the t- she can't trust anyone. But no one really trusts her. It's 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 just so up and down. But it can be it can go from brilliant to utter dog shit in one episode. <laughs> and you just, some of the characters are so shit. But and some of the things they do, you just like could you just stop killing people? Yeah, they get themselves into some scrapes. But ultimately, Viola Davis and her character of Annalise Keating is brilliant. And it's worth watching just for her. Um, It is on Netflix. The first series is probably the best one. But yeah, that could easily fall into all three Bywatch bin categories. Because we've been watching some duff episodes on season Mm. five at the moment. But as a whole, I have enjoyed watching it. Yeah. I wouldn't buy it if it was out on DVD. <laughs> so it will go into two of the three categories. But there, there we go. Hopefully, hopefully the next topic, maybe could we do like tea time cartoons for the next topic. <laughs> tea so can, time cartoons. So we can get everything done, in like, stimpy. everything done in five minutes. Do you remember the car? You might be too young. We used to watch cartoons. It was sort of in between um, like kids TV finishing and the news starting. And if there was a, a gap, like a little gap that you'd pl- they'd play like a Tom and Jerry or something, mm. but it wasn't always on. And I always I, I I thought it was because where the running times hadn't quite matched up, and they had like three minutes to fill. So you might watch a Tom and Jerry or a mm. some other show. We'll do that topic as our next one because we can get our research done in about nine <coughs> minutes. Animated then. interludes. Yeah, <laughs> let's all go to the lobby. Um, those. So good. I think we're all done. Yeah. It's lovely to be back. It is, yeah. Back Hopefully proper. we can get a bit of a run now that I'm not moving house or job or anything. Oh, yeah, there was that as well. Well yeah. done. Congratulations yeah, I've, on I've your I've had a busy, busy 2020 thus far. Yeah. Um, good. Do you want to do the social media? Can you remember it? I've got Dan to do it. So we are Theatrical Cut 
pod on Instagram and then just theatrical cut on Facebook. Um, I mean, we've still got an email address, theatricalcut at gmail.com, but it, it's literally all spam, but feel free. And then Bitcoin <laughs> emails. <laughs> uh, the mother pod is <clears throat> TMTOOH. On everything. On everything. I believe they still use the Twitter. Yeah. I, I only use Twitter to complain these days. Yeah, don't you just... I deactivated my Twitter account the other day. Yeah. I got an email, a proper email from Twitter, not spam, saying someone's tried to... We've noticed some unusual activity. Basically, you've logged on. I was thinking, <laughs> I haven't. So I I logged on to Twitter. I didn't click on any links in the yeah. email. I know about these scams. But it was it was genuine. Yeah. Um, some bloody idiot had pretended to be me. Quite why, I don't know. Because um, I only ever look at cat videos. And, and then I thought, I don't, I don't need this in my life. Yeah. Every now and again I scroll through it. But yeah, I use it to, for me. Like Sky pissed up the cable and BT pissed up the cable. And so I've been complaining to them on that. Of course you have. And I'm having issues with my Fitbit, so I'm seeking customer service on there. Oh. Not complaining, just asking for help. Yeah, that that will soon turn around. <laughs> they don't fucking fix it. It will. Anyway, so the mother pod a TMT OOH on everything, everything yeah. including Twitter. If you wanted to complain to them about anything, <laughs> thank about you. Dan's podcast voice. I like his podcast voice. It's very enthusiastic. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening. It's been a pleasure. Ter- yeah. Oh, what are you going to uh, drop your mic on? We're on soft furnishings here. Um, Hold on. Yeah, I think that'll make this a, a sufficient noise. Terry. All right, thanks for everyone. Mic, drop. That was Very rubbish. unsatisfying, but right. it's the best we got. I'm going to... So when I recorded with Dan, I had to do the mic drop. I doubt you've listened to it. Prick. <laughs> I hope this is recorded.